Welcome to Move Forward Radio, a show featuring interviews with physical therapists and other healthcare experts. This program is brought to you by MoveForwardPT.com, the official consumer information website of the American Physical Therapy Association. Learn how physical therapists can help people of all ages and abilities reduce pain and improve and restore motion to achieve long-term quality of life at MoveForwardPT.com. Welcome to Move Forward Radio. I'm Jason Bellamy. April is National Occupational Therapy Month. If you don't know what occupational therapists do or how they work with physical therapists, you're about to find out from today's guests, occupational therapists Claire Heffron and Pam Braley and physical therapist Lauren Drobniak. But today's episode isn't about common collaboration among healthcare professionals. It's about a special partnership that these women formed to create a website called the Inspired Treehouse, which provides fun, easy-to-implement activities designed to help children build strong, healthy bodies and minds through play. The Inspired Treehouse website is available at theinspiredtreehouse.com, but select posts are also being featured on our website, moveforwardpt.com, as part of a new partnership. Here to tell you more are Claire Heffron, Pam Braley, and Lauren Drobniak. Pam, given that it's National Occupational Therapy Month, I want to make sure our listeners know what occupational therapists do sort of broadly and then given the topic of today's conversation sort of in a pediatric setting. So give me the overview of occupational therapy. Sure, yes. April is Occupational Therapy Month, so thank you for mentioning that. I've been an OT for 16 years. I love what I do. It's been such a dynamic and changing career, so it's been really fun. You know, simply, generally speaking, OTs help people live their life independently. We can work with people that have physical injuries or physical changes, sometimes developmental issues, sometimes social or emotional changes, and we get to come in and help these individuals learn to participate in their daily tasks that they need and want to do. So it's kind of a fun career because it can be anything. It can be self-care, it can be work, it can be household occupations or things that they do for fun like leisure activities. And typically we come in and we do that through practice of everyday living skills. We have exercises, modalities that we can do with these individuals. It's really fun. We can also come in and we can adapt the environments they're in so that they can be successful with whatever tasks they want to do and change their surroundings. So really, really fun. Claire and I both specifically have worked in pediatrics. That's kind of where our hearts are. And in OT with pediatrics, typically the overall goal is just to help these kids participate right alongside their peers and their families and their siblings independently in any environments, in their schools, in their homes, in the community, regardless of their level of ability. So we really look at the whole kiddo and see where they are. Are they at school? Are they at home? And we come in and we kind of adapt and help them with what their needs are so they can work independently right in that environment. And usually in pediatrics, you'll see OTs, they work specifically on fine motor skills, which is using and doing activities with your hands. We'll do visual motor and visual perceptual tasks with them, which is being able to kind of perceive your environment and and work with it with your eyes. We work on self-care with these kiddos, so helping them get dressed, learn buttons, ties, fasteners, things like that. And we also help them with sensory processing, which is, you know, we live in such a sensory-rich environment. There's all sorts of sights and sounds and movement going on around, and a lot of times some of these kiddos have trouble just kind of understanding those. And so we help them come in, understand them better so that they can behave appropriately wherever they are. So in that pediatric setting, let me ask this. Typically, does a child need to have some sort of disability seen by an occupational therapist or might an occupational therapist come in, say, to a classroom setting and look at ways that all children of all abilities can develop? 
I've done both. Typically, when we get called in individually for a child, that child has a struggle. They're struggling in an area, and they will come in, and we will work specifically with them at that rate. In the school systems, which is where I work right now, sometimes I am asked to come into a classroom and just modify the classroom so it, it benefits everyone. And frequently, if you are working in a large group with a child that does have individual needs, it's nice to do those modifications and adaptations for the whole class so it doesn't single out that child. So I've done it both ways. But typically, if you are seeing an occupational therapist, it's for a need or an area that either your doctor, teacher, physician, or family has seen a concern. Lauren, I want to talk to you now. Move Forward Radio obviously has a physical therapist often on the show since it's produced by MoveForwardPT.com, which is a consumer website of the American Physical Therapy Association. That said, the goal that Pam mentioned for occupational therapists about living independently, that's certainly a goal that physical therapists have. So give me a sense of how physical therapists and occupational therapists typically work together and where there's sort of overlap in goals and methods even in some cases. Right. I think in the pediatric setting, specifically, pediatric OTs and PTs work together a lot. We can work on facilitating different activities together, whereas the OTs may be working on something fine motor while PT, myself, would be addressing standing, maybe standing on one foot, standing with one foot elevated, maybe standing, period. And so the child works twice as hard. They're kind of working on two different skill sets at one time, but at the same time, not really realizing they're doing that much work. So that's one way we work together. And then I know, speaking about the three of us, we tend to be whole body therapists. So I don't specifically concentrate on gross motor skills strengthening, and Pam and Claire don't necessarily just concentrate on fine motor skills. We kind of look at the whole entire child and work together to figure out what's really happening and what we would need to address in our own specific fields to help that child progress. Maybe, for instance, with some particular child, there may be a vestibular issue that maybe is more of a sensory processing thing that OTs would typically address, but it's affecting their ability to walk on the stairs or affecting their ability to balance on a balance beam or even put one foot in the front of another to walk. So together, we kind of formulate a plan on how best to address that child, how we can fix it together. A lot of planning collaboratively to help children in pediatrics. Claire, from the occupational therapist's perspective, what makes effective collaboration between a PT and an OT? I think uh, just a, for me, it's just a mutual respect for what the disciplines do. So I love working together with Lauren. You know, if we're working on, say, that same kid that has having vestibular issues, I love hearing about it from her point of view. So she's coming at it from a totally different lens than I am. And it's just, you know, an openness to learn, I think, not coming in and thinking that, you know, I'm the boss and I'm directing the treatment, but just really being open to working together and knowing that the other area of discipline, including speech therapy, too, we we co-treat with them quite a bit. Just hearing their assessment of the situation and being open to that is really helpful and being flexible. So speaking of collaboration, Claire, the three of you developed that Inspired Treehouse website. Tell me about the original vision and goals for the site. What what did you hope that that would achieve when, when you guys came up with this idea? Where did the idea come from? I think a couple things, really. The three of us work in a school district with families who have significant economic and health care disparities. So these are families with children who don't have all the resources and families that don't have the education and know-how about child development that we hope they have. So very often we get kids who are coming into school, you know, into their first day of kindergarten, say, and they just aren't equipped with the skills that they need. So simple things like exposure to holding a pencil or using scissors, navigating the environment, attention things like that just aren't there. So part of our our vision was to create a place where families could come and access both child development information that is broken down into simple terms that, you know, everybody can understand, as well as real basic developmental activities, so things that anybody can do in their home or that teachers can do in the classroom to promote those skills. So I think just 
that was one of our areas of focus when we created the Inspired Treehouse. And then we've also been running developmental playgroups together for kids in the summer um, the past few years. So we wanted to sort of use the Inspired Treehouse also as a way to archive and organize all of our activity ideas for kids. You know, we have them in, in files sitting around in our house, and we thought it would be kind of a fun way to get it out there to more people and share it with others. Absolutely. There's such a breadth of content there and different approaches. So I think maybe the best way to highlight that for our listeners is I'd like each of you to sort of maybe get a favorite post that's up there so people can get an idea of all that they can find there. So Pam, let me start with you. Do you have a favorite post or maybe collection that you guys have put out? Mm, it's very hard to choose just one, Jason, but I will for you. Thank you. Um, <laughs> we run a series right now on sensory processing. So once a month, we are bringing out some information to kind of get the know-how about kids and how sensory affects them. It's, it's a topic that a lot of people don't know about yet. So we wrote a post called Five Things OTs Want You to Know, and it's five things about myths and truths. And it's really just about how to play with your kiddo, using sensory experiences and using play, and how to kind of make play either easier or more challenging for the kiddo, developing their skills and helping with development generally. So I love that, and I love that whole series because it is, that's part of our tricks of the trade of our knowledge series, so it's a really good post to get some information out. And someone that may not know how to set up an activity or just buys a toy from the store, well, we're going to tell you how to use that toy in, you know, 10 different ways. So it's kind of fun. It's kind of a fun post. Lauren, how about you? I have to agree, it was really hard to pick, too, and I went from tricks of the trade all the way through themes trying to narrow things down. But I guess I'm going to say one of our very first themes that we did together was cooperation, just a collection of activities that help kids work together. It was right at the beginning of a school year, so we thought teachers might be able to use it as an icebreaker for their classrooms. But one of the activities in that theme was called Rabbit Hole, and it was really, really simple. It was just hula hoop stacked on top of cones, driveway soccer cones. And the goal of the game was to get away from the fox. So the kids are rabbits, and they're trying to get into the rabbit hole to hide from a fox. It addresses balance coordination, social skills, gross motor skills, motor control, all of those different things. And there's different parts of this game. You can go in individually or you can see how many kids can get in there at once. And what was kind of neat about that post is we started getting comments from people and somebody actually shared that post and said, what a great activity for talking about personal space. And so I thought it was really neat that somebody grabbed that post and put a different twist on it. It just was really, really nice to see that somebody could expand upon the ideas that we even had. One of the things that's so great about that is this example that shows sort of the creativity and imagination that can come along with this in addition to all the physical development. Claire, do you have a favorite? Yeah, I was looking through to see what, what old ones popped up as a favorite, and I think this is the one I did a while ago called Pillow Party, and it was a real simple post. It was 10 fun games to play with couch cushions. And so it was just a way of, you know, me kind of, showcasing stuff that I do at home. I have two preschool-age boys here, so they're tearing up my house all the time, and so the best way to direct their energy is with something like that where they can run and crash, and so it was a neat way to sort of break down some play activity that we do here all the time at home, but also showcasing the developmental benefits of that. So there's all kinds of great gross motor skills going on, sensory going on, strengthening within that, so it's neat to take something simple and show that it's actually a real beneficial activity to to let your kids crash around with your couch cushions a little bit. So that was one of my favorites. So that actually leads well into my next question, which is, and you're essentially talking about harnessing the natural energy of kids into these productive activities. So Lauren, each of the activities featured on the Treehouse site, it identifies sort of different skills that are going to be performed. So people really understand what the benefit is for the child, what they should be getting out of it. Why are these skills so important? And wouldn't these skills happen naturally? Why are these exercises so effective in targeting certain important need areas? 
I will answer the first part of that question first, which was why are practicing these skills so important? And it's because in pediatrics, when a child develops, every skill builds on the next. For instance, you need to be able to cross midline to write and to read, and you need to be able to gain strength to keep your posture when you're sitting in a classroom chair or when you're walking down the hall just for posture. And then all those skills build on each other to progress motor skills. And going back to Claire and her point before where she said that the district we work in has a very low socioeconomic status and different health care needs. Those kids are living in apartments. They have very busy working parents. They're not necessarily getting outside, not being exposed to different opportunities for play. And I know not everyone has that experience, not every area isn't that depressed. But a lot of kids now are sitting in front of video games. They're not getting outside and running. This was a very long winter. Most kids were stuck inside. And our website offers play activities that can be done inside and outside. If it addresses all sorts of skills, it tells you what skill areas are addressed. We can make them harder or easier. We kind of, how to change it up is our little tagline there, and we'll give parents or teachers or caregivers ideas on how to make it easier for the smaller child or harder for an older child or maybe a child that's more progressed. The Inspired Treehouse activities certainly get people active, obviously, and as you alluded to, they don't cost a lot of money to implement. They're all pretty simple to do, so that's great. Pam, beyond that, are there any specific populations of children that these exercises may be especially beneficial for, either because they have a specific disability, maybe in addition to any socioeconomic challenges? Yes, we were trying to reach any child. We're hoping that these activities can reach any child. In the blog, they're written for preschool age and younger elementary age children. But one of the best parts about it is after each activity, we have a section called How to Change It Up. And in that section, we offer suggestions on how to make this activity easier for a younger child or possibly a child that has a disability or can't do the motor functions that we're asking. And we also give suggestions there on how to make it more difficult. So if you have older children, In that section, we also kind of give different variations of how to use that activity. Our activities are fabulous for school readiness, so younger kids that are getting ready to enter school or children that are struggling in the school and need a little bit of extra help through play. I mean, they can do these activities, and they won't even know they're getting the benefit of all the skills. So we're trying to reach every child and and make it as easy as possible for the teachers and parents that come to our site. So speaking of making it easy, let's underline just how easy it is to implement these activities. So Claire, we talked about couch cushions. We talked about sort of other simple things like that. The props involved, the materials involved in doing these activities tend to be what? I think that's probably my favorite part of the blog, that there's typically no trips to the craft store involved in any of our activities. We try and keep them really simple with things that you already have on hand. So whether it's, like Lauren said, a hula hoop and some cones from the garage or your couch cushions. We recently did a whole series called Simple Play Activities for Kids, and that was very focused on that, all about, you know, five different ways you can use tape or five fun activities you can do on the stairs. So just things that are already there. You don't have to run out and round up a bunch of craft materials because, I mean, the truth is kids won't wait for you to do that. <laughs> so I know whenever I tell my kids we're, we're headed to the craft store, there's a lot of whining involved. So, you know, you have to be quick on the draw, and it's a nice way for parents to come and see something and be able to recreate it really quickly with just simple materials you already have around, or basic crayons, paints, paper, things that most people with kids already have. I know the three of you are really proud of this site, and you should be. I want to get a sense of the feedback you've received from people who've used it. You know, there's a great example before of somebody taking one of your activities and finding even a new twist on it. But maybe it's the most encouraging thing you've heard, other ways you've been excited about the ways people are implementing the, the things on the site. So, Pam, let me start with you. Is there something that really stands out in terms of something you've heard from people who've used it? 
You know, I've been really excited. We've gone to talk about the blog with some moms groups in the areas that have been interested and asked us to come in. And I've been so excited because they will say, oh, I saw you. I saw you on Facebook or I saw you on Pinterest or I already did the activity. You know, I just did Feed the Spider activity and my kids loved it. They were laughing and giggling and it was so much fun. So getting that community feedback has been so exciting because the whole point is to reach those families and reach those kids and have them actually, you know, use our activities that we have out there for them. So for me, it's so nice seeing that it's being used. It's being used in the community and it's reaching all these different areas. So it's been really fun. Lauren, how about you? I completely agree with Pam. It's been amazing to see how much feedback we've gotten from people not only on the blog but social media and in the community as well. I will take a little bit of a different twist on it. We did a post on W sitting that, if you will say, went viral. It has been seen hundreds of times, but one of the comments we got on that post was actually negative. It was a professor out of Kansas that had a different viewpoint on W sitting, and we didn't take offense to it at all. It was kind of very nice to open up a discussion and just see how people are viewing, in this case, W sitting. Why do you think it's okay, and why are we thinking it's bad? Not only her, but we also had several people that had come and said, I was a W sitter as a child, and this is what I've had as a result. So it's just very interesting to see that very different discussion from all sorts of groups of people and not all positive. So yeah, Sure, absolutely. And Claire, how about you? I think one of the things that interested me most when we first started the blog and we started having, you know, other bloggers take interest in what we were doing, start sharing some of our posts with their followers, particularly on Facebook. We kind of ended up with a following of Montessori teachers and homeschool teachers. And that was something that was so interesting to me that our activities really seemed to fit into those niches too. And it wasn't something that we had planned on or that we really even thought about when we were creating the site. But it was neat to see someone else from their lens take our activities and say, you know, these are great hands-on things to do with kids and use them based on their own teaching philosophies and work them in. So that's been really cool because we've actually established some relationships with other bloggers and teachers out there. And again, it's all been overwhelmingly positive. So we've had a very good experience, a good start so far. Excellent. And we are definitely excited to start featuring your content at MoveForPD.com. So thank you for the partnership there. And thank you for the time. Pam, Lauren, Claire, thank you so much. Thank you so much for having us. You can access the Inspired Treehouse at www.theinspiredtreehouse.com and browse select content at move4pt.com. A reminder that input from our guests is for informational purposes only and shouldn't be used as a substitute for individual treatment by a medical professional. You can access other episodes of Move4 Radio on iTunes or move4pt.com. I'm Jason Bellamy. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to Move Forward Radio. Insight from our guests is for informational purposes only and should not be used as a substitute for individual treatment by a medical professional. Learn more about how a physical therapist can help you and find a physical therapist in your area at moveforwardpt.com. For an archive of past episodes, visit moveforwardpt.com radio.